Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. This is Saturday. The look, I can't even remember the date, so I'm not even going to try. I'm Giselle Hannah, and I'm taking you through to 9:30 this morning. Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's dot a a w l dot org dot au. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, so find us on those social media platforms where we post more news and current affairs and labour movement issues from the Asia Pacific. Region. If you want to email us, you can find you can you can do so at aawl at aawl dot org dot au. Of course, if you're so game, you can also ring us on nine double six three seven two double seven. Yes, if you haven't noticed, it is just me this morning.、Um, Pierre is otherwise occupied,、uh, and no doubt he will tell you all about it next week. He will take you through the laborious, painful details of it. But until then, I shall proceed with the show. Let me tell you what's coming up in the second part of the show. We'll be speaking with Sadia、uh, Guruk. She is the she's an activist anthropologist based in Bangladesh. We'll be talking about occupational health and safety organising in that country. But of course, it is time now from for news from around the region. We're going to start in Australia,、uh, where systemic underpayment is rampant in this country.、Uh, the court case this week of an Afghan refugee that was paid anywhere between sixty percent to a low of twenty percent of the minimum wage while working at a fruit and vegetable market in Melbourne is an example of the systemic exploitation the vulnerable workers, especially in the agricultural sector, face. Whether it's backpackers on working holiday visas or Pacific Islander workers on special work visas, they face the same type of exploitative conditions in the extensive agricultural sector in Australia. Only by determined organising by unions will this exploitation be decreased. Of course, this issue of the exploitation of migrant workers. And the reduced payments that migrant workers receive is not new to the region. Many people would think or argue that in Australia, where we have the rule of law and、um, such things and non-discriminatory laws, that it doesn't happen in Australia. But、um, of course, this is precisely the method through which wages are being driven down in this country. Moving now to Pakistan. Uh, Pakistani workers are also are facing terrorist charges. Four railway workers in the Pakistani city of Rawalpindi have been detained under that country's harsh anti-terrorism laws for taking part in a strike on the 23rd of July. The drivers have been accused of trying to organise other workers in the locomotive shed to take part in that strike. Unfortunately, this is not the first time that workers have been arrested under the Anti-Terrorism Act, with six power loom workers from Faisalabad having to endure four years in jail for also organising a strike. In Korea, the Occupational Health and Safety Labour Activist Group (SHARPS) had another win in court recently when a judge upheld an earlier decision confirming that a Samsung Electronics employee's disease was caused by her work.
The case centred on Kim Mi-sun, a former worker who assembled LCDs and who has developed multiple sclerosis. This is, as you know, one of many, many, many cases of diseases that workers at Samsung Electronics have endured. In the meantime, the sit-in in front of Samsung's offices has exceeded 660 days. And repression of Palestinians continues after the Al-Aqsa uh, mosque crackdown. While the Israeli, while Israel attempts to hinder Palestinians' right to pray at the Al-Aqsa mosque, um, or their attempts to do that, were defeated by the force and unity of protests of Palestinians and international solidarity actions. The reality on the ground is still as repressive of, as ever. So, of course, yes, a victory. Um, a victory in terms of the declaration and in terms of um, what is being propagated to the mainstream media, but on the ground, not quite. On the 23rd of July, on Sunday the 23rd of July, over 40 Palestinians, including parliamentarian Omar Abdel Razak, were arrested in mass sweeps in the occupied territories. Most Palestinian prisoners are imprisoned over minor charges of resisting the occupation or simply via administrative detention for up to six months. In the last week... A large group of Argentinian parliamentarians and the South African government have made formal protests on these ongoing arrests. And prior to those two governments, Jordan, the government of Jordan also made um, similar protestations to Israel about the treatment of um, uh, Palestinian prisoners and also the increased arrests at Al-Aqsa Mosque or compound. And just so you know, those arrests are continuing. In Cambodia, Cambodian garment workers continue to struggle under massive pressure. In the last year alone, over 500 garment workers, mainly women from just four factories, were hospitalised due to faintings and collapses at work. While individual reasons vary, the underlying reasons are the brutal and punishing working conditions that these workers face. On top of unsafe working conditions, most are employed on insecure contracts, which means they feel compelled to work long overtime hours under pressure from their employers. In an unrelated case, more than 200 workers who are employed at the Qingfai Knitwear Factory are still fighting for their unpaid wages more than a year after the factory closed down. And in Sri Lanka, at the end of July, tens of thousands of workers of the Ceylon Petroleum Corporation went on an indefinite strike over plans to privatise part of the sector. The Sri Lankan government mobilised the army to take over operations and prevent workers from organising and demonstrating. With the arrest of over 20 labour activists, the government was able to break the strike. While much of the commentary was about the supposed opposition of workers to the sale of Sri Lankan facilities to other countries, the reality was that workers saw this sale as another attack on their conditions. And in Thailand, the Thai military junta reign of oppression has now spread into neighbouring Laos with the apparent forced abduction of Wudipong Koti, uh, Kocha, uh, give me one moment, Kocha Makun, so that our comrade is Koti there. Koti was abducted uh, was abducted by a group of armed Thai-speaking people. Koti has been a fierce critic of the monarchy and the military for years and had to flee Thailand in uh, after the coup in May 2014. 
Meanwhile, more activists are being targeted inside Thailand with both Watana Wong Suk and Pravi Rajan Fruth uh, both being charged over separate Facebook posts under the draconian anti-sedition law. Massive apologies to the comrades for bastardising the pronunciation of their names. We're still raising the three demands, free all political prisoners in Thailand, abolish Article 112 and end the military dictatorship. It's 10 minutes past 9 o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. That is news from around the region. I'm going to go to some community announcements and uh, then we'll have our feature interview for the morning. Hey, this is Nick from Pinyara. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. Thanks to everyone who participated in our listener survey earlier this year. You provided us with some great insight into what you really love about 3CR and what we could do better. We'll be working towards improving our on-air programming and look forward to your continued involvement. Remember you can give feedback to the station anytime via our website, Facebook page or by calling the station and leaving us a message. Thanks for listening. Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Well, it's not too late, and we still need your support. Donate now by calling 9419 8377 or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post us a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. Twelve minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. I'm Giselle Hanna taking you through to 9.30. Sadia Gulruk is an activist anthropologist in Bangladesh and Pierre interviewed her earlier in the week about occupational health and safety organising in that country. Can you describe to us what happened at the Multifabs factory in early July where a number of workers were killed? It was July 3rd, a few days after the Eid al-Fitr. It is one of the most uh, annual festivals. So the factory was supposed to open the day after. It's not really clear why it was open on that day or why. And there are claims, workers were claiming that they, there are some who didn't get Eid holiday, which is a mandatory holiday that they all should have festive, uh, should have gotten. But... So on that evening, evening of the July 3rd, around 7.20 p.m., uh, when a wo- worker went, in fact, a boiler operator went and to do something with the boiler, it blast. And it was like from the description and from the site after the explosion and the fire, it's, it would, it's very similar to, if you hear the descriptions, it would remind you of any, so, so like a war-like situation where a bomb exploded, like the whole area after the immediate blast, the surrounding areas were shaken, there were pedestrians who were not worker were also killed in the incident. Among the 13 who were killed were two 
adolescent boy and pedestrians as well and all three boiler operators were killed has there been any investigation so far or do people think that it was another case of lack of safety that that was the primary factor for the explosion of the boiler unit there are competing explanations from different bodies of the government one of the claims is that, that there was a inspection and it has warned the factory owner that the boiler was running after the expiry date. But, I mean, boiler explosion or the operation of the boiler of any factory in the industri- industrial sector of Bangladesh are managed by a different act and different board. It's not part of the larger compliance system that are followed uh, in apparel industry in general. And uh, boiler blast in, in recent years has become a normal, fin- almost a routine normal phenomenon. In fact, in the past six months, at least 20 workers were killed in three different incidents of boiler blast. So it's the management of boiler has been a ne- neglected issue here. Two other things that, that I want to mention, in fact, three other things that I want to mention with regards to boiler blast is, first, there are about 5,000 boilers in operation in the industrial sectors in, sector in Bangladesh, which includes the apparel industry. And to inspect these 500 boilers, 5,000 boilers, there are only six inspectors uh, with the in Department of Inspection of Fires uh, Factory uh, establishment. So you can see the discrepancy in number that it practically even if a factory inspector wants to duly do the inspection, it is not physically possible for a, for the six inspector to do the job. Secondly, the Boiler Act or the rules and regulations through which the boiler inspections would be conducted is really, it's not up to the demands of the current industrial um, setup. The Boiler Act we have now is from 1921. So it does not have all that we need to have to address a industrial sector that works for the for globally, global chains and all that. And thirdly, the Accord and Alliance, which are in place to the, and doing a lot of inspections, does not include boiler because multifabs is a factory that is part of the accord uh, system, accord inspection system. So you see the how and why there are so many deaths from boiler explosion in You have to describe the, the situation really well, and so the situation is, is quite terrible in that sense. But since the Rana Plaza collapsed in 2013, a lot of organisations internationally have tried to pressure and engage both Bangladeshi companies and government to increase health and safety for workers. You have answered that the situation in many ways is still pretty bad, but do you think there has been improvements in, in these last four years? Of course, of course. I mean, I must say that globally and nationally, we are now talking about the exploitative working condition in which workers work and produce apparels for the global market, which this is in itself is a change and a big one because the industry in Bangladesh, the apparel industry in Bangladesh is nearly three decades old. 
and it's tragic but the truth is that it took three decades and 1100 workers lives at rana plaza at the cost of all these lives um, the western consumers are now aware of the working condition are now aware of the labor behind their clothing and that in itself is a is a change because you, in order to make a difference locally that global eye on the local factories is is a change because the first ever major factory fire that had happened in a garment factory in Bangladesh was in 1990, which killed 72 workers in Dhaka. And that was 30 years ago. But we didn't do the, the needful to make a change there. It took so many years. But it's, it's so that in itself, for many of us, is a change that there is a global labor organizers surveillance on the buyers, on the brands and the Bangladesh government and the owners in Bangladesh that they do feel that they are being watched. And that surveillance is, is a change. I, I must say that. Well, that's, that's a, a promising sign. Focusing on, on, on workers in the, in the garment sector, given that it's such a big sector, I was just reading recently of just one case at the Azim Group's Orchid and Savar factories in Chittagong about their struggle to unionise and win better conditions. How do you think their ability for workers to organise independently has gone the last few years? Is it easier for workers to form their own trade unions now? No, in true sense... To unionize has not been easier. The progress is that the right to unionize is something that is on the table now, which was not. Again, this is because of all these questions that we are talking about right to unionize. When, whenever there are global conversation between all parties, including the Bangladesh government, the Owners Association, the Buyers Accord Alliance, the fact that the workers has the right to unionize has been, if not granted, it is an acknowledged issue that the workers do have that right. But for that right to be granted, I mean, for us to earn that right, there are certain other structural impediments that we need to address. And Firstly, definitely the the low wages and the long working hour, the overtime hours, because the monthly minimum wage is so low that for a worker to survive, she or he has to work overtime. Or in some cases, overtime is informally mandatory for workers. So if you work 16 or 17 or even 14 hours a day, and for a woman, you go back and you work at home as well, even for men, there are other things to take care of, then it inevitably, in practical, pragmatic, ter- pragmatic terms, makes it very difficult for a worker to organize because you are left with no time of your own. You are so alienated from your rest of the processes. And then, of course, the industrial police, which are specifically there in the apparel industry, industry industrial zones, in, in the presence of an industrial police, it's very, very hard. It's so repressive because of their presence. And then there are other security forces that makes it very difficult to unionize because you have seen what happened in December when workers took to street in Ashulia. Thousands of thousands of workers were sued because they took part 
uh, in the rallies and demanded better wage. And the other thing is that there are so many paid fake unions, which sometimes makes it sometimes very difficult to raise the issue of unionization in formal conversations or negotiations because the EGME or the government would bring up this issue. Okay, we have all this, that union, this union. So sometimes the, because now with the new labor law, the amended labor law that came after the Rana Plaza, has a provision of participatory committee, which according to the owners and the government is equivalent to an union, which we don't think it is, but that too is is manipulated by the own factory, um, pays a group of workers or outside work as union. That these are, I mean, the structural conditions that impedes the way of the, that are blo- that are blocking a real union, and of course. There are NGOs that are reforms in name and does not work with that to change the industrial real relations. So I would say that the right to unionize is acknowledged, or at least on the table, that we are far so militarized in some ways. In terms of workers and unions internationally, what action do you think we could take to support our sisters and brothers in Bangladesh? For recent, but like immediate steps, of course, there is a movement, people, workers on the streets now demanding better wage. They're asking for an increase in their minimum wage since December. So uh, sub- supporting the their demand for a better wage, for a living wage in Bangladesh, for laboring unions anywhere in the world would be very important for us to organize here and also supporting the demand for a regional minimum wage. It's a process that we have been talking about so that, that workers and the, also the local ba- local factory owners would be in a different bargaining position with the global brands. The other thing we, the group I work with, we have been talking about since, since Spectrum in 2005 is that there has to be a conversation between globally, locally, nationally, about the corporate criminal liability, because you can't, you we have to make them accountable. Not it is not a question of corporate social responsibility, which was the way that global brands has managed a disaster like a tragedy, a violence like what has happened in Rana Plaza, where they they have contributed from the corporate social responsibility fund to the compensation fund instead of taking legal responsibility otherwise making structural change would be very difficult we we should we as organizers as union activists we need to talk about corporate criminal liability and think about having international corporate criminal tribunals corporate homicide tribunals on along the line so they the corporations can't get away with their murders that's the kind of thing that they have done in bangladesh for the last three decades that's certainly very interesting thoughts there sadia and we thank you very much and we certainly wish you all the best for all your hard work and uh, all the hard work that all your comrades are are, are doing so thank you very much thank you so much thank you so much CR, always bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. 
They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. It is 26 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents and we are coming into the end of the program. That interview that you were listening to just a moment ago was Pierre speaking with Sadia Gulruk, who is an activist anthropologist in Bangladesh, who was talking about um, occupational health and safety there, particularly in the garment industry. Um, a demonstration later this afternoon that you might be interested in getting along to, and that is at 2.30 at the State Library. It's in solidarity with the Venezuelan people and um, in, in relation to what's looking like an increased uh, repression and probably a big threat to the Maduro government. So uh, if you support the Maduro government, if you support the Venezuelan people, then that's a demo to get to at 2.30 this afternoon. The rally has been called by LASNET, the LASNET, American Solidarity Network. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered, but I'm going to go to some community announcements. Thanks for listening to Asia Pacific Currents. We'll be back next Saturday morning from nine o'clock with more news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.